Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're with us across the state, coast to coast, border to border on the Super Talk Mississippi network of stations or podcast formats. This is the Eagle Hour. I'm Kelly Sander in the Southern Bancorp Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson is at the Southern Bancorp Studio in Laurel. Bob Getty taking the day off today, tending to some business. A lot of things to talk about including National Signing Day. Again, seems like we were talking about Signing Day not long ago, but again, more people, more football players have put uh, their names down in ink today. We'll talk about that. Also, the controversy brewing in the National Football League over some, uh, some scandalous accusations by former Miami Dolphins coach Flores, Coach Brian Flores. We'll talk about that. And we'll also touch upon a little bit of the Winter Olympics at the uh, very end of the program today. And joining us from New Orleans, our marquee guest will be Patrick McGee. We'll talk about what the Saints are up to now in the offseason as we get closer to the Super Bowl. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's is ready to take your phone call and get everything ready for your big Super Bowl party. And, of course, now that it is an official Super Bowl, We've only had three official Super Bowls. This will be the third one. Uh, and of course, official Super Bowl being designated by Cincinnati being in the Super Bowl. Uh, Dickie's is ready to handle all of your catering needs for your big Super Bowl party. Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a big supporter of this show, and we're big supporters of Dickie's Barbecue Pit as well. Luke Johnson, you've been monitoring signing day across the state. You know, the college football Landscape continues to change with all the uh, with all the transfer portal news and so on. But uh, give us an overview as to how things are going today for the schools across the state, particularly Southern Miss. We will get to that in just a second. So we we do need to let our listeners know later in the show we will announce. Getty's not here to uh, get instant reaction. Y'all will talk about that tomorrow. The Washington football team has a, a new mascot. We won't unveil that at this time. We'll do it later in the show. Um, and uh, and then Patrick's going to be joining us next segment to uh, to talk about all that. All right. Golden Eagles uh, increase their signing class uh, today to 19. They had two more. Both of these are high school signees. Jordan Martin, a wide receiver from Lake Comerat High School in Mississippi, 5'10", 180-pound uh, wide receiver. Uh, he also had an offer from Marshall University. So uh, Coach Hall gets another wide receiver, 5'10", 180. Jordan Martin uh, was recruited by both Brandon Lacey and uh, and Will Hall. And then a guy that we uh, talked about, Kelly, uh, last week, Claiborne Pollard, Coach uh, Latrell Pollard of Jones College, the defensive coordinator there. And, of course, Coach Pollard played uh, for Southern Miss as a linebacker and then coached uh, many years, coached me uh, while I was there. And uh, Pollard comes in, stays inside of, uh, of the Hattiesburg area. He's from Oak Grove. Lots of offers, the 6'4", 280-pound offensive tackle. 
on top of Southern Miss, Arkansas State, Colorado, East Carolina, Houston, Liberty, Louisiana Lafayette, Memphis, South Alabama, Troy, UTSA, and Utah State. He was originally at one time committed to Colorado, former uh, Southern Miss offensive line coach Mitch Rodrigue, who coached under Jeff Bauer and coached uh, with Latrell Pollard. He's the offensive line coach out there, so that made sense. And uh, and then he actually uh, Pollard actually took a a visit uh, to Memphis. And uh, you look at some of the other guys connected: Blake Anderson at Utah State, um, Kane Walmack at at South Alabama, and then uh, just kind of uh, some big group of five offers. Hugh Freeze at Liberty offered him as well. So that's a big get. You look at some of the guys uh, that Southern Miss has leaving. There was actually a Mikel McLeod from from Greene County uh, is entering the transfer portal. And so with Pollard, you feel like some of these guys that you're you're losing, Kelly, you may lose in the portal a two star, but you're getting a three star, getting it replaced. And Pollard's one of those guys. So uh, two big pickups today, uh, both of whom, again, as Will Hall likes to do, both from the state of Mississippi. Pollard, first of all, when you look at the genetics, all right, big kid, which all the Pollards are, right, that have played football. Uh, what is he, 6'4", 290? 6'4", 280, yep. Okay, well, yeah, 280, so he's going to put on at least his freshman 15 or whatever. Um, but they just don't make kids that big, you know, that, that much anymore. So that's number one. Then you got the football pedigree, as you mentioned, with all the Pollards down the line and the Southern Miss ties. So it's another another player to bolster the lines, which everybody, even people who haven't followed the Southern Miss program, seem to know about Southern Miss uh, perceived deficiencies on the offensive and defensive line last year. So with all of these guys mostly signing early, but with the couple today, you're addressing you know two needs, even going all the way up to the northwest corner of Lake Comorant, getting one of the Gators there to come down here when you're in uh, that other school's backyard. Um, so... We'll we, need to, we, we need to we need to make this mention also about Jordan Martin. He's going to play wide receiver, but there's been a super back sighting in Jordan Martin because last year he threw for 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, only an interception, one interception at Lake Cumberland. So another guy that you know could be used in that formation. And just getting an athlete from a, a proven high school program, Kelly, he also played a, a little defense also, but he's signing as a wide receiver. And Pollard being a, a true freshman, you got some of the transfer points guys who are a couple years older than him even though they've got some eligibility you know coming so you'll have a good you'll have a good mix of of younger and older of course they're all younger <laughs> compared to me but you know what I mean experience wise that should uh, that should put some talent in the cupboard for a little while to come particularly in the trenches where you know everybody says games are are won and lost so all, overall now Luke with these signees today along with the ones in the transfer portal I can't I can't think that that anybody would say this was not a really good harvest, if you will, for Coach uh, Hall and his staff. Top two in the conference. Uh, you know, of course, the, the transfer portal, they're going to be a top 20 transfer uh, class across Power Five and Group of Five. What's interesting to me is with Martin uh, committing today, man, there's five receivers in this class. Of course, you got Frog Jones, number one uh, wide receiver uh, at Juco in the country out of uh, Pearl River. Dalton Davis, who's a, who's going to be really good from MRA, 6'3", 190. He's a guy of a guy. A lot of people think that uh, he's just going to uh, you know, 
he's going to knock the doors off when he starts getting on the field at Southern Miss. Tyquan Mims uh, from Bay Manette, Alabama. Coach Hall told us that he kind of emerged as, as pr- probably the best utility player in the state of Alabama. Um, he's he's coming in. And then Cameron Knox uh, from New Albany, Mississippi, a three-star guy, six feet, 185 pounds. So five wide receivers in this class. And so other than beefing up the offensive and defensive line, uh, in the transfer portal, but also um, in in this signing class, wide receiver is is the the most signed uh, position in this class. Just kind of kind of interesting, and and some of the other guys that you've got, and you look at guys that they brought in last year with Pittman and Franks, and some of those other younger guys. Uh, he's going. He wants to throw it. I mean, he's committed to throw the football with bringing in this many receivers. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that it should it should be exciting football for fans uh, as this offense now appears that it's going to open up a little bit. But you can't do it unless you have the personnel to do it. And it looks like those guys are all getting in place. We are proud of the journalistic work we do on this program, and every once in a while we, uh, you know, we come up with some with some good information. We reported about two, maybe three weeks ago that all indications we were getting from our colleagues at James Madison that it was a done deal as far as them going forward, moving into the Sun Belt this coming academic year. So, And it was official today. James Madison called a press conference with Sunbelt officials. It is all a done deal now. The ink is dry. James Madison is going to the Sunbelt Conference this coming July. So the question now becomes, Luke, do the Conference USA teams follow suit? And if so, would it change anything from what we've kind of been saying maybe late February, early to mid-March before we get an official word? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's two things going on, and I've said that, I think I said this last week. So Jeremy at the press conference, Jeremy McLean at the press conference, you know, said that by us – you know, leaving Conference USA and the, everything assumed was July the 1st of 23 that we would lose uh, two years of, of bowl revenue. You, you got to wonder, that's got to be more clear about now that Conference USA has put out a statement. Um, I, I just, and, and that's one of the reasons why we want to be able to, uh, to ask and, and have Jeremy on the shows to ask specifically those questions. The wrinkle. Now with James Madison going in early, they needed to go in early so that they can this coming year sit out their year, you know, their probationary year, their transitionary year, moving up to uh, FBS so that they can you know play fully in the 2023 year in, as a Sun Belt member. But the the fact that if we were to move up early, that might incur even more penalties, you know, with Conference USA and and yeah, we we we've, we've tossed it around, but those two things together. Uh, may may uh, be the reason why we're not hearing an announcement yet or, or later on because they got to work out those things. So in some ways, James Madison, a good thing today, but James Madison is going to force Old Dominion, Marshall, and Southern Miss's hand about what they want to do, and, and will Conference USA do something to those three members? Well, those schools aren't the only entities in transition. In the National Football League, the New Orleans Saints may be the biggest team in transition. They need a quarterback, or do they already have one? And they certainly need a head coach. Well, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com will join us in our next segment to fill in some of those blanks. It's a Wednesday Eagle Hour. We're glad that you're with us, and we'll be back after these commercial messages. So 
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. A rainy state of Mississippi on this Wednesday. I think it was the mamas and papas that said that rainy days and Mondays get them down. But this being a Wednesday, glad that you're with us on the Southern Bank Corp studio. I'm Kelly in Hattiesburg. Luke is in the studio in Laurel. This segment brought to you by our friends at Campus Bookmark. You know, Mardi Gras and the parades and everything right around the corner. Southern Bookmart has all your Southern Miss, all your Southern Miss uh, swag for Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras flags that can adorn your front porch, uh, among other things. And, of course, baseball season in a couple weeks. And maybe the new, the new print that Luke was talking about that will be on the uniforms. If it's made, they'll have it for you at Campus Bookmart in a wide variety of sizes, too. And if you... Can't get there during business hours. They're open 24-7 on the web at campusbookmart.net. Let's go to New Orleans now where our buddy Patrick McGee, who joins us weekly from NOLA.com. Lots of things to talk about, including the invasion of LFED, Larry Fedora, the new head coach of the USFL New Orleans Breakers, which will certainly pique more interest in spring football and in Red Bull Sugar Free. <laughs> I'm sure. As a fedora. Is there such a thing as that? <laughs> I think there is now, uh, believe it or not. He doesn't drink it, I guarantee you that much. <laughs> he's always he's always high-octane for sure. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints, a team in transition. What do they do at quarterback, and where do they go as head coach? And Patrick, no doubt, has all of those answers as we welcome you, Patrick, on this Wednesday. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so let's start with uh, the coaching position with the Saints. What are we hearing at this point, and who might be some of the favorites? Well, the the obvious favorite is, is Dennis Allen. Um, you know, it, you look at what you know. You have Tom Brady just retired. Uh, you're not looking very stable in either Atlanta or Carolina at this point. And if you want to put a winning product on the field, you know, next season, maybe your best chances, you know, with a Dennis Allen and, and the defense he has and the personnel he has available that he's very familiar with. Uh, but then you also have Brian Flores, uh, who's more you know established, has has more success as a head coach uh, than Dennis Allen had previously. And he's from that Patriots system, and he knows how to build a good product. But you know, you look at the offense that the Dolphins had during the stint. That's kind of a, a little bit of a downside for him. Then you have Aaron Glenn, uh, the defense coordinator for the Lions, who's on the Saints staff previously. Uh, and then I guess uh, uh, Doug Peterson, the former Eagles coach is one guy that you look at, but, you know, did he just have lightning in a bottle in that one season with the Eagles? But anytime you're a Super Bowl champion, uh, you're going to be in the mix. Then Rizzi, the uh, or Rizzi, I probably butchered his name, uh, the special teams coach for the Saints. Uh, he's somebody that has some uh, experience as a college head coach, but I would think his odds are pretty long. I think you look at Allen really at the top of the list and, and everybody else, maybe Flores is number two. Then you get put Glenn at three and then Peterson at four. That's that's how Jeff Duncan kind of laid it out in his column today, and I, I tend to agree. All right, so let's look then at the quarterback situation. Whoever the coach is, we'll have to we'll have to straighten that out. They'll have to decide if Jameis Winston is the future of this team. What say you? Well, I mean that's that's a decent option. I mean he looked good, and and if you can have an upgrade of receiving core around him, uh, you know Michael Thomas on the field. Uh, you're going to probably see a little bit better number passing numbers. So I, I think Winston is kind of a, you know you got to see five or six games out of him, and he showed what he can do. And I, I think there's you can see you know he can be even better. Uh, you know wh- whether he will be better under a, a coach a team that's not coached by Sean Payton 
I guess remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, with Carmichael and Winston possibly working together, I think there's an argument to be, to be made for Winston. And Taysom's not going anywhere, and uh, he's right there if, if things go sideways. And Patrick, before we get Luke in here, I just want one other question. You hear Saints fans here in the Hattiesburg area talk about, well, let's get Russell Wilson. Let's, uh, let's bring Aaron Rodgers down here. Well, first of all, what is the, the Saints uh, salary cap situation? And I know there was a ton of money paid to Taysom Hill last year, but on this program, you talked about that that was kind of a mirage as the way that that money went right. down. Can you straighten all that out for us? Yeah, well, I mean, the, uh, the the Taysom Hill contract was reliant on him, you know, being the, the, the starting quarterback for a certain percentage of the season. I, I can't really remember it off the top of my head, but uh, the Saints are kind of the masters of the salary cap in the NFL. Uh, they've been able to work around that and, and find different ways, but no doubt it's going to be an issue. Uh, this is not a team that's going to be a huge buyer. Uh, it's not completely out of the pos- you know, uh, un- you know, completely impossible that Russell Wilson ends up in New Orleans. It could happen, but it would it requires some finagling to make it happen, and uh, but yeah, I you know I think the chances of Winston being the starting quarterback again next season are, are pretty decent at this point. I would think. I guess it would depend on who they hire as head coach, but if it's Dennis Allen, I think the, the odds are pretty good that that Jameis would be the guy. Patrick, uh, just one more thing about about Jameis. Um, I guess with Pete Carmichael, you know, working with him, and would would you credit? What what would the influence of Peyton upon Jameis versus the influence of Carmichael upon Jameis uh, do you think has yeah. contributed to what Jameis did this year? You know, leading the Saints five and two in his seven games as a starter. Well, you know, Peyton's the dude. I mean, he was the guy that really kind of led that effort. He he was always going to do that whenever it came to quarterbacks. But Carmichael was right there with. Him. There's there's already that chemistry that kind of uh, you know two seasons already under the, their belt of being together. So. Whatever Peyton and Carmichael did together with Winston is already in place, and I would expect that uh, kind of going forward you would see much of the same. Uh, it's all about making sure he kind of stays within himself and doesn't take too many chances. And uh, I would think Carmichael is right there with him in his ear and, and trying to help him along and help him develop. And there were some promising signs out of Winston. Uh, he maybe didn't take enough chances, really, uh, throwing the ball down the field, uh, but if you add Thomas in and maybe upgrade the receiving core with one other guy through the draft, uh, it could be a better passing game next year. It was really limited between injuries and COVID and just everything else this year. Deontay Harris was out for a good chunk of the season. So uh, I, I think the, it, with Winston back there, maybe add one or two guys to the mix, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're much more productive as a passing offense. You, you mentioned a guy a minute ago, possibly in the running for the Saints job, just everywhere today, Brian Flores is uh, right. erupting on the NFL uh, because of uh, a, a lot of stuff. Apparently, uh, they tried to uh, bribe him to lose games so that they would tank, and uh, no team had won six games after losing six games, and the Dolphins did it. But kind of the most selling thing, uh, Bill Belichick, sends him a congratulatory text and accidentally texts the wrong guy and basically has been told that the Giants already had their mind made up before they would even interview Flores. And, and uh, I mean, he's got a case. I mean, he's got some receipts there. But it's just a yes. mess now uh, in, in the NFL. And I guess I say that asking about the Saints. I mean, it seems like every head coaching job is going to be scrutinized until they hire all the, until all 32 teams finish this hiring period. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, 
I, I think maybe they, he kind of uncovered an ugly practice that's been around the NFL, the, the paying coaches to lose games. Apparently Hugh Jackson, who's now the head coach at Grambling State, indicated that he was also uh, uh, awarded money for losing games, or they said they would. So, And that's just hideous. I mean, they, they, that's just not right. I mean, there's no way you can make an argument for that. It's just goes against the integrity of the game it's just terrible and 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 i think that what happened actually is and that's just my opinion just looking at the text is that is that belichick takes the flores thinking that flores was the guy if you go in and read the text again that may have actually been the chance what what had happened is that belichick thought flores was the dude and that uh, he just misunderstood on his end uh what you know that it was the wrong brian <laughs> I, it's it's a dang mess, and he's got a pretty strong case uh, against the Giants in the NFL. And yeah, I mean it's it's really complicates things for him. Uh, I think he's a good coach, and he'll be coaching in the NFL. But uh, it definitely complicates the deal where he's in the he was in the hunt for multiple jobs. And here's here's the biggest problem the National Football League is is going to have with this is being hypocritical. They talk. They talk about. They have all these commercials about diversity and inclusion and things like that. And and you've got a a coach like Coach Flores who has alleged that the NFL also is not as patient with coaches of color as they are uh, Caucasian coaches. Which you know, I don't know how you prove. I don't know how you prove something like that. But in a league that is so proud about the stance that's taking on inclusion. And we're not done with the coaching cycle yet, all right? So, so we, we've got to pump the brakes just a little bit. But that's something they're, they're going to, to have to deal with is the, the hypocrisy of what they, you know, they, they say that they're all about, but then when it comes right down to it, it doesn't happen. The other thing is, and, and you mentioned the part of, of integrity, the reason a lot of people have stopped being fans of the national football league was number one the political correctness the woke stuff that started you know three or four years ago and a lot of people just said they'd had it with that well it didn't appear that the product was hurt all that much when it comes to viewership attendance and so on but now if something like this comes out they're going to have as ricky ricardo used to say and i love lucy a lot of splaining to do uh, because this could get really really ugly very very quickly is that reasonable uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a good example of, of them being impatient with minority coaches. I think it was what three years ago, where you had just two or three guys just gone after one season. It was, it was, it was really kind of a stark example when you kind of point to that. Uh, maybe haven't seen a perfect example in the last year or two. Flores getting pushed out. Well, it was a little surprising. Uh, I think his deal was that, and that's the one kind of negative that we're not talking about with Flores. Is he just not, his character as a as a personality? He's not a big personality. Apparently, he kind of. Uh, can can really don't build great relationships within uh, the organization. So uh, he, he's kind of a character that's not a uh, go along to get along guy, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. All right, Patrick, uh, ha- hang with us. We're going to stick around with uh, Patrick McGee. We're going to talk about Larry Fedora and his new start in New Orleans as coach of the Breakers next. Hour. 
Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill, the official pregame location where all Southern Miss fans hang out before and after basketball and baseball games. We get into that over, overlap period where you're playing basketball and baseball at the same time. Right over the 4th Street Bridge, there and in the shadow of the Rock M.M. Roberts Stadium, 4th Street Bar and Grill. Shoot a game of pool, have a, have a cold beer, and enjoy talking Southern Miss sports when they're open and always the biggest games on the biggest TVs in Hattiesburg, thanks to our buddies at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly and Luke with you from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, respectively. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com on the horn with us. Patrick, as we continue our discussion, some Southern Miss blood coming to New Orleans. Larry Fedora, Fed, is the new head coach of the New Orleans Breakers, but no press conference has really been held. Kind of, kind of tell us, I, I kind of like the informality so far we've seen from the USFL, but I also think uh, something might, uh, might not be exactly 100% here right now. What's going on? Well, I, I think we're seeing uh, the USFL just doesn't really have all the pieces in place to kind of roll out big, you know, press conferences or anything like that. Uh, you know, this whole operation is going to be based in Birmingham for at least one year. And there's a chance that teams like the uh, Breakers or one other may hang around in Birmingham in 2023. 20, uh, so, really, this whole it, this whole operation is, is owned by Fox Sports, and they're trying to create content. Uh, foot, you know, Americans love football. Americans love to bet money on football. Uh, so this, you know, they they think they can generate uh, money off this thing, and they're trying to create content. Something to put. I mean, it's going to be on NBC and Fox uh, in the spring. So you know, we'll, we'll see how this kind of comes about. And obviously, there's money there to make this happen with it being owned by Fox and it's kind of controlled by everything. So. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a pretty solid thing. We're not looking at something like the American Alliance that we had two, three years ago that just folded mid-season. The next XFL uh, fell apart because of COVID. So I think this is a different animal, but it's still kind of waiting and seeing what this thing is going to look like. Because I mean, you're going to have teams that are supposedly from Houston, New Orleans, whatever, playing all their games in Birmingham for one season. It'll be interesting if it's if that's going to generate any interest at all. Luke, you talk, we've talked a little bit before about how the coaching fraternity is really, really tight. And with that in mind, it wouldn't, wouldn't be unrealistic at all to think that Fedora would take some Southern Miss guys, you know, with them as coaches, if they're available. What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you look at where he's been, he's been at when he was at Carolina and then he was at Texas. Uh, this is a different staff. This is before Sarkeesian got there, but you know he's he's got connections in and out, and so it will be interesting to see who he brings out, who's you know not coaching right now, or who's just uh, in Dave transition. Dave Duggan kind of comes to mind on that. Absolutely. Uh, he's, yeah, he's at Colin. I mean, he was a head coach in NFL Europe. He knows how to deal with professional athletes. I mean, why wouldn't Dave Duggan be your defensive coordinator? Now, I don't know who's making that decision, but why not? You know. Yeah. So I mean, Patrick, you you really think that it will it will last longer than what we saw, you know, the Alliance a few years back. That's, you know, if you see how things are kind of put together, I think so. This, to me, this really is, I don't know how many people are aware of it, but there was the Spring League that operated all in one site. I think it was San Antonio. And that thing kind of, I think it was interrupted by COVID one year, but it was around for three or four years, and, it, you know, it worked. I mean, they had games on FS1 and stuff like that. So, I mean, they, they've done this before, and it's the same operation that's behind this. So they know they can 
can make it work. Now, whether it gets to a point to where they can go, each team can go to their respective market, we'll see. Uh, but at the very least, I, I would expect this season goes off without a hitch. All right, man. Well, we appreciate your time. I know it's a busy day in Louisiana today. Thanks for joining us on the Eagle Hour. All right. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee of NOLA.com, talking uh, Saints, talking NFL, talking uh, Larry Fedora now, the uh, the new coach for the uh, – what are they, Kelly? The, the New, new Orleans, Orleans Breakers. Breakers. And we, and we mentioned uh, last week Kevin Sumlin uh, is the coach at, in, at, for the Houston Gamblers. And, uh, man, that would be really cool. We, we don't know the schedule because, again, we don't know how much of a season it's going to be. But, dude, that would be so cool for Fedora and Sumlin to coach against each other. And all those all those teams in that USFL, they're, they're keeping the same nicknames. As they as they were originally, you know, the Birmingham Stallions and the Michigan Panthers, the Michigan Panthers quarterback, uh, the guy that led them to that particular championship. I don't even remember what they called the USFL Super Bowl as it was, but was Bobby a bear. Bobby a bear uh, before went to the New Orleans Saints was the quarterback of the USFL Michigan Panthers. So there's been some great talent. The, the New Jersey Generals were owned by the Donald, Mr. Trump, and he had um you know, Herschel Walker running the ball for him. Steve Young played for the L.A. Express. So, I mean, there were some there were some great teams and some great players, anyway, that came through that league. So, we'll see how it all pans out. Just a, a little recap before we switch subjects. Uh, signing day today, Southern Miss adds two more guys. Jordan Martin, a wide receiver from Lake Comrade High School, and then Claiborne Pollard, the Pollard name. That's Latrell Pollard's son. Offensive lineman, actually on the Southern Miss site, Kelly, he's listed at uh, at, at six three three hundred, so uh, twenty more pounds than than what some of the recruiting sites have him listed at. But according to SouthernMiss.com, twenty two now signees uh, when you count um, the uh, December period and in this period, of course, and a bunch of guys transferring. All right, the Washington football team. That began in 1932 as the Boston Braves. Then the next year was changed to the Boston Redskins. Then in 1937, until a couple years ago, was the Washington Redskins. Kelly, uh, some people started some chatter yesterday. and There's actually some drone footage. I think Barstool Sports had a, a, a video where somebody had zoomed in real close to the stadium, and you could see through a window a new banner hanging down, and on that new banner was the new mascot for the Washington football team. What are they going to be? As we reported on our show Monday. Friday. No, it was. It was last week. That's right. Last Friday, we reported it was going to be the Washington Commanders because our Eagle Hour crack staff had some uh, legs and Legs on the ground, eyes in the air, in the Washington, D.C. area. And they said, bank it, it's going to be the Commanders. And when the official announcement came out this morning, 2-2 of 22, that's exactly what it is. The Washington Commanders going forward. And let me tell you, Bob Getty is not a happy camper, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, look, here's the thing. I had a listener text me earlier. You could shorten that, and so how appropriate would it be with all the craziness in D.C.? They could just be the Washington commies. I mean, that could that could just work, right? I mean, it's kind of it, it's kind of uh, appropriate, right? Well, I don't I don't know that many people these days would would get the would get the correlation would understand 
what comedies is. They would think it's short for something other than but, what it is short. Well, they how, wanted something that would relate to Washington, D.C. So That's exactly right. So they are commanding the nation right now, particularly in mandates and other bits, about what we're going to do. So I guess it is metaphorical, and it's, and it's pretty accurate. Well, we have another scoop. Of course, Bob Getty will be back on the show tomorrow, and Bob Matthews, who is those eyes in the air and feet on the ground for us in Washington, D.C. Bob Matthews will be joining us, taking us through that complete decision-making process. But we have another scoop, Luke Johnson, to break here on the show. I didn't tell you or Merg about it before the show today. It probably involves show business, so we sure we want to go down this road? No, it's not, it has nothing to do with show business. It has to do with the Winter Olympics. The U.S. Olympic team is calling, they are nicknaming the Bob Sled Team the Bidens. The Bidens. And the thought behind it is, is that no one has taken the country down a hill any faster <laughs> than Joe Biden. Thank you. I was waiting for it, Michael. I was well, waiting. He was taking his time. Well, that's... In he, the gave, he gave you time to look yeah. it up? Is that what... No, no it was already there. Michael, Michael knows I'm a big fan of the late, great Paul Harvey and yeah. how Paul Harvey would use... And now, the, the rest, rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, you go, come on, Paul. Are you, are you still there? Yes, the Bidens. Uh, I thought be, it was breaking news. Uh, I really did. Like, uh, I, you sucked me in breaking. there for a minute. <laughs> Don't yeah. you like that, though? Uh, yeah, I mean... Nobody takes the country downhill any faster, so <clears throat> I think it's only appropriate. Hey, speaking of the Olympics, real quick. A, the U.S. Olympic Committee released a uh, report, not, not certainly you know, 60 Minutes Cutting Edge Journalism, but when it comes to Winter Olympics, you guys, when it comes to Winter Olympics, which will begin Friday officially with the opening ceremonies, what state would you think per capita now, per capita, what state provides the most Winter Olympians for the U.S.? I guessed Colorado, and Colorado is fourth on the list. But what state, Luke, would you think per capita provides us the most winter Olympians? Mm, Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota is sixth. Good guess, though. Utah? Utah is number three. Wyoming? Not, on, not, not anywhere <laughs> close to the top. Alaska, number two. Oh, okay. Believe it or not. Number one is Vermont. Okay. Vermont? Okay, I see that. A lot of, a lot of snow skiers, Because we I guess. got two people. Because it's a per capita deal. We got two Olympians from Vermont. And they got a lot so they of win. they got a lot of skiers up there too. Uh, summer Olympians, Hawaii provides us go. per capita the most uh, summer Olympians. That all of that information and fifty cents, well maybe a dollar now, will get you a cup of coffee. But there it is for you. We'll be back to wrap up this Wednesday installment of the Eagle Hour. Look ahead to the basketball schedule and what's up for the Eagles the rest of the way this week. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. To the top. Eagle Hour on a rainy Wednesday. Happy to have you along. 
Luke Johnson, Kelly Center, Michael Mergens producing for us today from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, happy to have you along. As always, you can listen to us on demand, supertalk.fm, or in podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher for segment brought to you every day by DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Get your game on baseball, softball training, so much more. They always have camps and clinics coming up, the pro shop, memberships, batting cages, uh, personalized lessons for baseball and softball. DBAT, D1 Training, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. All right, recap again. Golden Eagles add two more football players today. Jordan Martin, wide receiver from Lake Comerant and Claiborne Pollard. Offensive lineman from Oak Grove. Of course, both of these guys, when we talk about scholarships going forward, they don't add to this, and that wrapped up with the transfer portal. But, uh, Kelly, yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, how they've done this, a a great uh, December class, and then uh, the transfer portal just – you, you can't just speak about <clears> – <throat> there's no words to say how good Hall and staff did. And then you get uh, two more Mississippi kids and, and of course, get the, the Pollard kid. And uh, he, he's a kid that should be ready to go in, in a year or so. So good stuff for them. Uh, one, one more news and notes. Women tennis tomorrow against New Orleans has been canceled uh, because of uh, projected inclement weather. Southern Miss will face Jacksonville State on Saturday. A first serve slated for 11 a.m. All right, Kelly, you, you mentioned earlier, and in case our listeners uh, missed it, uh, James Madison will enter the Sun Belt this coming year. They will. Yeah, that was announced this morning at a press conference with, uh, with the Sun Belt. And, of course, until it's official, because we, we'd been hearing from our colleagues at James Madison that this was going to happen. But now that the conference was involved in the press conference, uh, now that's, this is about as official as it gets. And we would think that this is going to pave the way for Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall to do the same. But we don't know, uh, number one, if for sure that will take place. Uh, it certainly has paved the way for it to happen. And then time-wise, you know, when would that come? And late, that announcement, uh, official announcement, sometime in late February, perhaps March. But again, you get into the scheduling situations, so you would think of it sooner rather than later. Now, more on this Brian Flores story that you talked about earlier today, Luke Johnson. Marvin Lewis now, the former head coach of the Bengals, uh, said this morning in a media interview that he felt uh, to a degree that he was victim of the same type of treatment that Brian Flores was when Flores said that he felt like his interview with the New York Giants was more just a token interview and that Brian Dable had already been had uh, they'd already decided that Brian Dable was going to be the coach. Marvin Lewis uh, said that when in 2002 he was going to interview with the Carolina Panthers but Marvin Lewis told Carolina officials that he had heard through media sources that John Fox was already going to be the coach, that they were going to name John Fox on Friday. And uh, the Panthers assured Marvin Lewis that was not the case. So he went down for an interview on Thursday, and on Friday, John Fox was named the head coach. So Marvin Lewis says, you know, uh, coincidence could be, but I'm telling you this thing is beginning to stink to high heaven. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out from the the NFL, who has seemingly been made of Teflon over all these years, because nothing they seem to do right or wrong affects the popularity of the game. But uh, but we'll have and to one, see one, one way or the other. One more note on on Flores. This was earlier on on ESPN. He actually 
informed the Saints that he was going to file the lawsuit before they interviewed him for uh, for the head coach vacancy. So you know, stand up, dude. Saints uh, stand up in that way. You know, letting them know that uh, what was going to happen. They interviewed him anyway. So anyway, that you know that that's a, a situation to monitor simply because uh, the Saints have have interviewed him. All right. The the reason one of the reasons I wanted you to bring back up James Madison is that one of the one of the things that James Madison found out it stinks so bad for student athletes is that they got told hey you're done with the colonial you can't compete well it happened again today stony brook which is leaving the america east going to uh, the colonial they were informed today by the american east that they are now ineligible to participate in conference tournaments the rest of the season what are these people thinking you're punishing athletes think about seniors who have uh, dedicated you know their life and to that school and to that conference, and you look at your student-athletes and you're punishing athletes based off the decisions of administrators. And I love how administrators always talk about that the coaches and players have egos, but yet then administrators go and make a decision like this, and your point is certainly well taken. You're punishing the athletes, and administrators are making these decisions based on their egos because they don't want to be made to look silly in their mind. We'll... Um, uh, Will McGillis on on Twitter responding to this story, as every student athlete and every person should, quote, what a joke. Because it comes down to the, the student athletes one, one way or the other. And it's a shame, but the landscape continues to change. And uh, today's no different, and it will continue to change in the future. Tomorrow we mentioned Bob Matthews is going to join us. Bob Getty will get to vent tomorrow. Everybody take a Commies. big... Yes. Every time he pulls for them, I'm going to say, go commies. Short for commanders, of course. Now the Washington commanders. And we'll get you set for some basketball action tomorrow night as Southern Miss takes to the road to begin a three-game road trip to Florida and then to UAB. Try to stay dry, stay out of the rain. Big women's basketball game tomorrow night, too, on the junior college level. We'll talk about that. Jones and Pearl River getting ready to, to play tomorrow night for go first Cats. place in the MAC. Should be a good one. For producer Michael Mergens and Luke Johnson, I'm Kelly Sander. Thanks for joining us. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.